Today on Feeding My Faith, are we acting like we actually saw the miracles of Jesus? I'm here to praise your name, Lord. That's what I'm talking about. I'm here to lift the name of Jesus high. All right, welcome to Feeding My Faith. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the School of Podcasting.com. And I'm going to do something today. I'm going to kind of share a message without any scripture, because basically I could quote about 50 of them. And that is when people that cannot walk, get up and walk, who haven't been able to walk for years, and they get up and walk. And this kind of becomes, on Netflix, there is a movie starring Anthony Hopkins as Paul. And the movie is called Peter and Paul, and I actually just did a quick Google search for it, and it turns out you can actually see this whole movie on YouTube. But the interesting thing is, I'm not sure when this movie was created. Let's see here if I go out to IMDb and type in Peter and Paul. I'm going to guess in the 70s, maybe, because uh, the special effects are... um, not stellar, shall we say? Okay, let's see what uh, IMDb. Peter and Paul, 1981. It's a TV movie. And uh, again, starring um, Anthony Hopkins and Robert Foxworth as Peter and Paul. Now, the uh, the part that, that has me inspired about this is there is obviously the, the story of Paul is he was this guy that had his passion was putting Christians in prison and persecuting them. However you want to put that. And the movie shows where he was at the stoning of Stephen. Yeah. Stephen got stoned, man. He did. Whoa. That's not what it means. And, uh, so, and then later in the movie, they kind of show it that maybe he had a turn of heart possibly when he actually saw somebody getting stoned to death. But the story is he's on the road to Emmaus and you know this bright light comes and it blinds him. And the the bright light in this movie from 1981 literally looks like somebody went down to the hardware store and they bought like a a big giant Rayovac kind of uh flashlight and pointed it at the the camera. Not exactly, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. You know what I mean. A little cheesy. And it dawned on me that if you think about, if we go all the way back, I mean, if we go back to when these actually happened, because I was thinking this movie was done in the 80s or 70s. It almost was, 81. When these people saw these miracles. I mean, they had fire, but I don't believe there was any electricity yet in Bible times, right? And can you imagine the wow factor? It wasn't like they had modern medicine that would just heal people. And all of a sudden, somebody comes along and touches somebody's hand and goes, get up and walk, and they get up and walk. Can you imagine how mind-boggling, 
how they just had to be going, how did that, what, what did that guy do? Huh? Amazing. And so here, Paul is walking along this bright light. He hears a voice. Can you imagine just how unbelievably freaked out you would be to hear a voice from the heavens when there are, there is no audio. It's not like somebody's got a big speaker and a microphone. That doesn't exist. How bad that would just freak you out. And there's the story where I think it's John. Yeah, I believe it was Peter, James, and John. And they go up on this mountain, and Jesus goes off to pray, and they're just kicking back. And it says that his, while he was praying, his, his clothes, like, turned into, like, a white, like, forget tied, <laughs> right? Forget, we're talking bright white. His face kind of just, like, glowed. Can you imagine how incredibly freaky that is when you've never seen a special effect in your life? And that's why as soon as he comes down, they're like, oh, dude, we got to we gotta mark this. This is, wow, this is something different here. I want to make a couple altars. And, you know, when Lazarus dies, he's, he's stinky. He's stinky dead. And some guy walks up and says, you know, Lazarus, come forth. And this dead dude comes walk. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how freaky that was? And the reason I ask this is there are times when Jesus would heal somebody. He said, don't tell me about this yet. Because he was kind of trying to control his timeline. He's like, yeah, just keep a lid on that. I know I just made you walk, and I know you were blind, but if you can just kind of keep a lid on that for a while. And then they were like, no, I don't know. And they went off and told everybody. Because they had to, because they'd never seen anything like that. And I'm like, we should be living like that. We read it in a book, and we've seen it, and we see cheesy movies with bad special effects. But why aren't we moved? We should have the faith. We should have the excitement of someone who has seen something that has never, ever happened before and be like, oh, holy cow. I got to tell somebody about this. Because that's what the early Christians did. And in this movie, it shows how Poor Paul is just getting the snot beat out of him on a regular basis and thrown in jail and he's sick and he's shipwrecked. Doesn't matter. He's telling everybody. Because he has to. He's been commissioned, as have I, as have you. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He came to earth. He was born of a virgin. And he came here. And man had fallen. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. God said, hey, enjoy the Garden of Eden. This thing rocks. Just do me a favor. Don't eat from that tree. You're all good. Just don't do that one. They disobeyed God. Major, major ramifications. That's why God said, don't do that. They didn't listen. And it separated us from God. And back in the day, the Jewish faith was, you would, everybody would come around, they would find the, 
the best goat you had and you would lay your hands on it and then you would would sacrifice this goat because that goat meant money it meant whatever milk it meant it was a resource and you would kind of put your sins on this goat and then kill it and then you would lose that obviously and so god sent his son as a sacrifice for us to put our sins on him. And he knew it. He wasn't real crazy about the idea because he knew it was going to hurt, but he loved us so much that he said, look, here's the deal. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. I I love you enough and I'm going to do this for you because otherwise you're going to go to hell and burn forever. And hell is a really, 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 really nasty place. And we should be telling everybody that. Because it's amazing the things he did. It's amazing the things he still does. And so today I want you to just take a second and and think about what that must have been like. What that must have been like to see that firsthand and just how mind-boggling that would have been. i give you an example. My dog is kind of old. He's 14. And when we leave the house now, we have to put him in a, a little cage. And he's got his little blanket and his little bed in there. It's, it's nothing, you know. But he's he's having issues with uh, holding his, his uh, he pees everywhere, basically. And he's not happy about being in a cage. And uh, when we get home, we let him out, and he dances around. He's like, I am free, I am free, I'm no longer in this cage, and he just dances around. He is so happy. And we should be like that. We were condemned to death. And Jesus came and unlocked the cage and said, no, nah, you're, you're good. I know you peed. I know. I don't care. I still love you. And he let us out. And we should all be dancing around. So that's my thought for this little message today. Think about that. And try to get in touch with that, of just how miraculous that had to be. Just how mind-boggling that had to be. I mean, if you watch the magicians that are on TV, you know, Chris Angel and, and all these other people that do things, you're like, whoa, how's he doing that? And what do you do? You tell people. Hey, have you ever seen this show? This guy's crazy. He's walking out in the middle of a lake, blah, blah, blah. With that same enthusiasm, we should be telling people about Jesus. But the thing is, we didn't see it. But the Bible says it. And we should be telling people about it because it's true. So try to get in touch with that. And see if you can kindle that fire of what it was what it must have been like to have firsthand actually that's not firsthand faith they just saw it firsthand and that's what we need we need to have the confidence in our faith that it's not firsthand we just know it as truth I'll have the links out at our website if you want to see uh, this movie it's actually really it's actually one of my favorites um, it's kind of weird because Anthony Hopkins is Anthony Hopkins, and he he doesn't have an English accent, but um, it's kind of weird. 
slightly maybe overacted at times, but it was uh, something I remembered. And when I saw it on Netflix, I'm like, oh, okay. So go to uh, feedingmyfaith.com forward slash 20. And uh, that will take you out there to uh, watch the movie and uh, enjoy that. Or if you're on Netflix, you can't watch it instantly. You have to get the DVD. But uh, check it out and uh, enjoy. I went out to uh, Audible. You got to audibletrial.com forward slash Dave. It's interesting. There is a, uh, a book called First Hand. Ditching Secondhand Religion for a Faith of Your Own. And I thought we'd listen to uh, a snippet here together. Uh, check this out. This is from uh, Ryan Shook and Josh Shook, who I believe are sons of, uh, I forget the guy's name, uh, but there's a famous Shook preacher, and I think that's his sons. Chapter 1. Why Firsthand Matters. A Faith Straight from the Source. There comes a time when you can no longer cling to your parents' coattails and you have to choose to make it your faith. Robert Griffin III I admit I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand. Job chapter 42 verse 5 The Message Bible Hi, I'm Ryan Shook. And I'm Josh Shook. Two brothers in our 20s. We've met before, actually. You see, even though you've probably never met us personally, you know people just like us. You've known them at every church you've attended. We've been on your football team, gone to the same parties, been in your group of friends. You took one look at us and thought, they're such good Christians. But you saw us when we were at our best. We were the leaders of the youth group, and you thought we probably had it all together. So how could we possibly relate to you? The truth is, we've both come back from the brink of spiritual death. Really. Only a short time ago, we were so done with the whole Christian thing. Whatever we looked like on the outside, inside, we were desperate for something more. Nothing at church satisfied the inner hunger gnawing at us. Being a Christian seemed to be only about going through the motions, following rules, keeping up appearances. So we tried something else. We lived as if God didn't exist. That worked for a while, and then it eventually stopped working. Actually, we ended up feeling even more desperate and unfulfilled than before. Maybe you know what we're talking about. Maybe you've given up on church and its promise of contentment. Maybe you've not only given up on church but given up on God as well. Or maybe you're just now starting to suspect that something is wrong, but you can't put your finger on it. If any of these scenarios apply to you, you're not alone. The truth is, between the ages of 16 and 26, most young people experience a crisis of faith. Suddenly, the beliefs that made sense yesterday are no longer relevant today. Our faith feels flimsy and fake. For us, it felt something like this. We had traveled halfway across a bridge and couldn't get any further. The bridge just ended. On the riverbank behind us, we could see the Christianity that worked when we were younger. 
Ahead of us, on the opposite bank, we could see, well, not much, really. Mostly fog. That didn't feel good. As it turns out, our experience is common for kids who grew up in church. David Kinneman, president of the Barna Group, a research and resource organization, investigated our generation's dissatisfaction with traditional Christianity for his book, You Lost Me. The problem, Kinneman tells us, is not that this generation has been less church than children and teens before them. The problem is that much spiritual energy fades away during a crucial decade of life, the 20s. Spiritual energy fades away. That description resonates deeply with us. After years of going to church, following the rules, and trying to replicate the faith of our parents, we had to admit that something was fading fast in our souls. But there's good news. Right in the middle of our personal crises, we made a discovery that changed everything. And there you go. That's where they leave off. Well, that book's not what I thought it was going to be, but that's what I get for doing this live. Hey, um, if you're interested in uh, that book, it sounds interesting. Uh, it's more sounds like church growth. Uh, go out to audibletrial.com forward slash Dave. There's also secondhand Jesus trading rumors of God for firsthand faith. And uh, over 100,000 books out at audibletrial.com forward slash Dave. And the beautiful thing is if you sign up, you get the book for free. You get a 30-day trial. And if you don't want a, a subscription, just cancel it and you keep the book for free. So you can find that out at audibletrial.com forward slash Dave. And that is going to do it for this episode of Feeding My Faith. Thank you so much for tuning in and remind you to take some time today and think about what it was like to be there and see that firsthand. 